When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. James Burchett here, your uh, house rep for District 176. Um, as I'm sure everyone is aware now, uh, or by now, that uh, we had a uh, uh, prison riot out at Ware State Prison this uh, this weekend. And uh, so just want to give a, the most current update uh, that I can. Um, as of now, uh, I got a report from Department of Corrections and from the hospital that uh, a total of seven people were treated uh, from the event uh, this uh, past weekend. I'm told that a golf cart was burned and several windows were smashed out. I want everybody to remember. I saw the same live videos everybody else saw and nobody's saying that, uh, um, that those things didn't happen. I'm Riley Brown, and I am a freshman at the University of Pittsburgh Bradford, and I am a native to Ware County. I'm a little bit known as a activist in the area. Waycross is known as we're a pretty decently sized city in Georgia. We don't have anything that really puts us on the map, you know, like we have the Okefenokee Swamp, and besides that, like we don't really have anything that either trouble or history, we just don't really have anything. The prison is over there by the industrial side of town. But I remember that night, I jumped on Facebook because 
we have a there's two or three community Facebook pages for Waycrossware County, and I started seeing these posts like going around by several friends of mine on Facebook um, about something that was going on at the prison. Just like, hey, watch out if you live by the prison. Anybody know what's going on at the prison? Update on the prison. And a lot of like, I started texting all my friends, especially those who lived closer to the prison than I even did. And I was like, hey, what is going on at the prison? And I had one of my friends say, there's cops coming all around the prison. And I didn't know why. So that was when, like, I started, um, you know, clicking different <laughs> different names, trying to figure out what was going on. And that's when I started seeing all the videos coming from inside the prison. Either that was a Facebook Live. I saw one or two that were from TikTok. Like, they were just everywhere. We need y'all to clutch at everybody, the news, all the news. Y'all know they ain't supposed to shoot us and just be on that dick, man. Y'all keep sharing this shit, man. This shit needs to go viral, man. Keep texting, keep sharing in, man. Call whoever, man. We need all this shit on the phone, man. Call everybody, man. These folks been short-staffed anyway. They weren't supposed to be running shit like this anyway, man. They're banning they posting. They're banning they posting all they numbers in this motherfucker, man. The thing is going out. You're right. Yeah, right. Appreciate that, brother. The first video I saw is actually the first video that I posted on my Twitter thread. And it was one that was actually on someone's story on Snapchat. Lie, man. This shit dead for real, man. We need medical assistance. Anybody can Google some shit and tell her how to got down. Get brother with these bullet wounds in them, man. Them folks really shot up, man. I looked at the video, and it was really dark, and you couldn't see much, but you could just see blood. And so there's another video that um it's the second video on my twitter thread and you can actually see light and you see there's blood everywhere on the inmate get us some help man we need some help man these folks trying to they don't shot run the side shot run the leg forehead and the chair man we need some help man i hold that bullet ain't still inside and he's crying out in pain and someone tied some type of fabric around his leg to try and stem the bleeding. You hear the blaring alarm in the background over and over and over again, and you hear the slamming of doors. They turned around, and I there was just blood everywhere on the floor. There was um, there, there was the sweat on his face, like everything just led. I just started crying. I literally felt like I was gonna puke. This is weird. He shot in his side, man. It's a gunshot in his side, man. Little brother, he got eternal bleeding, man. He shot in his leg, and he got hit in the forehead, man. We need some help in this motherfucker, man. Tag everybody out there. Everybody out there, man. Waycrawl, man. Yeah, Waycrawl. Yeah, well State, man. Well State Prison, man. man. We, need, we need this shit to go for real, These man. white folks not playing with us, man. These folks trying to kill us. We all stand down. So I screen-recorded that video, and there's a third video that I don't think I saved. And then when I went to go back, it was already taken down. That was supposed to be by a friend of mine, and it was people running uh, in the prison. You can tell that there's a lot of people there, but because of the lack of light, you can't really tell how many people are there. You can make out the kind of underlying sense of panic. There's a lot of movement, either people walking, stumbling, running, Say
I was at least midnight, well past midnight, and my mom, I walked into um, my mom's room, and she was like, what's wrong? And I showed her the video, and I remember the look of fear in her eyes, and she was, I don't want to see that. I don't want to see that. And I looked at her, and I remember saying, Mom, I know you don't want to see it, but we have to see it. And you have people talking about how they've, the inmates have been complaining for weeks and no one had listened. So I think by screen recording these videos and sharing them and all that, it was just a kind of a last ditch effort. I actually, but I screen recorded a bunch of them. A lot of people in the community did. And that's kind of where I started when I started posting about everything on Facebook. I want to say a, a big thank you to the Department of Corrections, Georgia State Patrol. So the next morning, I had our local uh, House representative, James Burchette. He's the House representative for District 176 for Waycross. James posted a video on his Facebook. Uh, one of the things that, that is just, just drives me completely bonkers is that uh, some folks out there would have you believe that these inmates were, you know, um, you know, reading hymnals and, and singing God's praise, and, and and then the officers just came in and and started uh, abusing them. And that's just not the case. I think that. Uh, and he, it was a Facebook Live, and you know, he was telling everyone that he was in contact with Sheriff Royal, and that he was talking to him about the prison riot and everything else going on. And uh, I appreciate the opportunity. Uh, to serve this district with with the uh, the law enforcement that has the courage to go in there and and, and put these things down. Um, that's what happened. Those are the facts. Uh, some of these folks out here have this alternative agenda to you know have you believe that. Well, I don't know what they want you to believe. They just want you to believe that the, the prisoners were you know sitting there singing kumbaya and these these folks came in and caused them to riot um the um and i i guess that's like what's hard for me about describing these just knowing what was being reported to us the citizens it doesn't match what you're seeing in the videos again it's always a pleasure and it's an honor to serve you as your district rep uh in district 176 i appreciate you and uh i thank you I was asleep. I was asleep. I was knocked out. And my, um, one of my friends, she was like, Tamara, she, she, everybody was calling me at two o'clock in the morning, but I was asleep. So first thing I got up, they were like, Tamara, where had a riot? You need to check on Frederick. My name is Tamara McIntyre and Frederick McIntyre is my husband. I live in Daytona Beach and, um, I think the Georgia line is like, um, 120 miles away from my house. So my husband is incarcerated in Ware, Ware State Prison. That's in Waycross, Georgia. My husband has been in Ware State Prison for the past 18 months. I drive from Florida, from Florida to Waycross to go visit him. He was up for parole in July, but they told him that they denied his parole. So now I have to deal with this whole prison thing for another four years. My husband's a strong dude. He's been in this system for 20 years, and he's, like, determined not to let this system break him and turn him into 
a monster. He holds up a good front for me. And I'm doing the same for him. I'm his voice. I haven't been able to visit Frederick since March 12th when they closed down for COVID. Look, I spend like $40 to $50 a week on phone calls, depending on what he's going through. Our, our calls are in 15-minute increments. I talked to him the night before. He called me on the blue phone. He was like, man, everybody's getting antsy. And I didn't even know if anything was going on. And he was like, oh, I'll talk to you tomorrow. And I was like, okay, cool. But tomorrow never came because they had the riot. And I asked him, I said, when I finally did talk to him, I said, what happened? Why did you guys get into it? He said, he said it was a bound to happen. One of the other wives or girlfriends hit me up on Facebook and told me that was what was going on. And then I watched. Some of it, I couldn't watch it all. This looked like mayhem. It looked like something off of a movie. Um, there was there was fire. There was um, inmates running around. There was smoke. It looked like a war, a war zone. It it looked like a war zone. They just stab everything, man. They might kill When the two guys were sitting there bloody, I had to turn it off. When your loved one is in something like that, it's hard. It's real hard to watch. It's trying. It makes you sad. It makes you worry for your loved one. You just hope they don't get caught up in somebody else's bad day. And my husband did say, the night of the riot, when they started everything, he was in the shower, and they just busted in his dorm and started shooting, and he got shot in the back with a rubber bullet. You have to have a strong stomach to watch something like that. Our folks that, uh, our correctional officers go out there, and they risk their lives on a day-to-day -day basis. This is a testament to how much they do risk. Um, you, They're out there... Uh, you know, putting their self in between the bad guys and us. And again, these guys at this prison in at Ware State, these are all bad guys. These are, these are the worst of the worst. Because one of their roles is to make sure these inmates stay in line, but another role as I see it is to make sure these in, inmates stay in there and away from all of, all of the families and good citizens of uh, Ware County and District 176. They keep them, they're, they're the guys, that's the thin blue line that's standing between you and them. I learned when it was happening. I, you know, it's a very tight knit uh, group of coworkers. You know, once you work at a place like that, I mean, you 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 gain a lot of uh, friends over the years, and you become basically a family. My name is Lamar Eason, and my connection to where I stayed is I was employed there as a correction officer. I left two weeks before the riot. I want to be honest with you, I love my job as a correction officer. I loved it. I believed I, I, I'm not, you know, tooting my own horn, but I believed I was easy to talk to, 
with the inmates with their concerns because you have some officers out there who just sit there all day and don't really help them with their issues there's some inmates out there that are really just trying to get trying to do their time and go home we're a state prison we're a close security prison and it takes approximately at least at the bare minimum 37 correction officers to run shift and when i left we were down to nine and ten officers a day he said it was a bound to happen he said that night they only had eight officers on um shift and that's why everything got out of control because that's like running the school you you, you got 15 classrooms and five teachers and i basically told myself that i wasn't going to be the last man standing There was a bunch of unsafe protocols being broken. Probably I'd say around a year of voicing our concerns, uh, nothing was getting done. And we was breaking more policies and procedures by the day. It usually takes two officers at the bare minimum to run one building. And as one officer runs the control room who pops the doors for you, uh, is in control of all the, the doors in the building. And then there's what we call a floor officer. Well, it became so short that they dissolved the control room officers to where it was just floor officers working the buildings. And even then, it became to the point where it was one floor officer working three to four buildings. And they advised us to, uh, you know, start carrying the keys in our pockets. And basically, that's against uh, policies and procedures in almost every prison in the state of Georgia. Oh, yeah, I understand how that works. Yeah, because I, I used to be an officer. When I was an officer, we didn't have no weapons. All we had was a clipboard, a radio, and a pen. I ain't have no keys on me at any time. That was the start of the, wait a minute, uh, what's going on here? Why, why are we doing this? This is not safe at all for anybody. It's not safe for the officers, the staff, the inmates, none of us. When I was there, I, I would see, yeah, two or three cells that inmates had access to where they can get in and out anytime they please. And after they took over the building, they took our, you know, they took over the officers that were in there, and all they had to do was grab their keys and had access to all the other buildings. They didn't need to tamper with the lock. They just pressed the button. See, the riot wasn't just one thing. It wasn't just one thing that that set it off. I think it took me three weeks to a month to talk to him, physically talk to him, and he sent me a letter, let me know he was okay, but he was like. Everything they're doing there is wrong. It's against policy, and he was just like, "Dad, you need to tell somebody about this." I think a lot had to do with the state took away their visitation rights. That probably had a lot to do with it. And then they started putting people with COVID in the dorms and locking them up with people who weren't. They weren't segregating the COVID from the non-COVID. By the time we was able to come up with a system. It was around April, so we had a late start, which was bad. And I, and I know I'm not the only correction officer out there that, that believes that the state handled the coronavirus poorly. The inmates can see that too. And so that was a lot of the unrest. The murder was another thing. Maybe a week and a half before this riot took place, there was a murder. Numerous amount of minutes went by that this inmate was laying on the floor pretty much dying out from his injuries. And there was no one to basically give him medical attention. And you're only months into the year and you have 13 murders in Georgia. 13 murders 
See what I'm saying? And short staff with no movement is the straw that broke the camel's back. COVID, short staff, and the murder is what started that riot. And when they would come out and call it a minor disturbance, was it made a lot of officers out there that I thought too angry to call what happened in the situation they were in minor. You know, there was people's lives at risk. The Department of Corrections will tell you outside the fence all day long that it's sunshines and butterflies and, and pretty daisies inside the prison. But if those cell phone footages of what was really going on never came across the eyes of the public, then there was no way there's been numerous times where they will sweep things under the rug. But when so many people seen what was happening, there was no way they could really, they had to acknowledge it. You know what I'm saying? Their number one job is to protect and serve the public. And when you see something like that happening on Facebook Live, do you really feel safe? And I believe there should be changes made. And I believe the changes start from the top all the way down to the bottom. If you go to prison in Georgia, it's a death sentence all the way around, all the way around for the officers and the inmates. Somebody needs to be held accountable. See, people think people go to prison and, and all they're doing is, is um, sitting there and everything is hunky-dory. They're sitting in their cells. They're separated from the community. No, these guys are in there fighting for their lives. It's like if I go in there for theft and, I, and they give me 10 years, for 10 years I'm fighting for my life. It's craziness and it's hard to watch. It's hard to deal with. So I'm glad it got out there. I'm glad that these people are seeing it. August 4, two, it's Tuesday, August 4. Time is 1.12, as they say on the clock out there. Probably can't see it, so I'm gonna try to zoom me. Most of the time, like when you see videos and stuff like that, it's because they have contraband phones. Right now, it's a statewide. They're trying to clean it up. They're trying to clean up their prisons with contraband because the phones are contraband, and that's how um, we're all finding out this because they are getting phones in. Because if they had their way, we wouldn't know none of this. And and the phones are helping more than they are hurting. The videos and photos are holding the the administration accountable. It's holding the GDC accountable. This is what you get. This is what you get. Now there's not gonna be change if people don't start talking about it. It needs the awareness need to be raised on what was going on, what is going on. A lot of the law enforcement in Cross County and city like to brush things under the rug. So I think a lot of it was to make sure it wouldn't be brushed under the rug. But also, I think it was just kind of a moment where we could be like, see, so there's proof. Ain't no water. There's no water. We pressed the panic button. Yeah, I have no, like, this is the panic button. I can hear help. Officer! Officer! I need help! Officer! I need help! We have no response.
girl, they probably ain't gonna let me come to visitation no more. <laughs> They're gonna be mad at me. They're gonna be mad at me. I don't care. You want to get rid of me? Brett sent my husband home to me in one piece, alive and kicking. You want me to shut up? Send me my husband. And then I'll make a decision if I want to shut up then or there because I got to help the others. Vice News did not receive a response for comment from the Georgia Department of Corrections. Previously, the GDC and where state representatives claimed inmates are receiving meals and showers each day. Maintenance staff is checking every cell for damages and additional staff has been assigned to the prison to help with operation. Where state did not confirm the number of correctional officers on the night of the unrest or how COVID-19 spread through the prison. Source material is a multimedia project. Go to Vice's YouTube page to see our source material video series. Directed by Invel. Source material is primarily made with the help of those who lived these events. The podcast is produced by Nicole Kelly and Peter Langstanton and edited by Kate Osborne. Our associate producer is Stephanie Brown. Original score and sound design by Steve Bone and Kyle Murdoch. Janet Lee is senior production manager for Vice Audio. If you dig this, Please subscribe, share, and leave a review. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of $15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. $15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.